Hi guys, I'm Laura. And I'm Vanessa. And welcome to another episode of the Tap on the Wrist podcast. Episode 114. So basically we have one more episode before our summer hiatus. That's it. I mean, that's not a, it's a T, TBC, to be continued. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a mini break, refresh, vacay. Yep. And then we'll be back. Yeah, because there's so many more countries that we could do, and probably countries that we could do over again. Um, well, isn't there like 186 countries, and we've only, only done, done 15? 15. <laughs> so, there are plenty for us to cover. I don't think we're going to get to them all. Yeah. I feel like we've missed some like pretty normal ones. We've had yeah. a, a good selection of like countries I never thought of so right like no one's given us like france or the uk right you know so we have we have plenty more to go through but this past weekend we actually celebrated laura's birthday woo 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 we escaped a room we did an escape room uh we had a lot of time to spare we did pretty good i think yeah and i love an escape room. i do too they're the best honestly I really do wish escape rooms were a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like, if escape rooms were $20, I'd probably do them every weekend. Yeah, right? They're so fun. But, like, $35 for just one hour. And to get, like, other people to also pay it to do it with you. Right. But, man, I mean, I I love escape rooms. And we've done some good themes. Like, the one that we did this weekend was Jekyll and Hyde. We did a Prohibition one once, actually, in North Carolina. Yes. There are some, some really fun ones. I just, I love a logic puzzle. Me too. And it's just a room full of logic puzzles. Yeah. It's great. When you, like, solve a clue, it just feels so good. Yeah. So. Um, and we also went to this cool, like, 70s-themed diner restaurant. Yes. It's called Peachy Keen. You may have seen it on Instagram or TikTok. Because that's where we saw it. <laughs> but we went there. They had great cocktails. Mm-hmm. A pretty good menu. A little bit limited, but, like, yeah, everyone could get food. Yeah, definitely. They had, like, you know, diner food, like burgers. And then they also had things like pork chops and salads. and Yeah, but great cocktails. Great cocktails. Uh, I think we have some pictures that we can post of the cocktails that we drank. For sure. But they were very tasty, and it was a successful celebration. I'm officially in my mid-30s. You are officially in your mid-30s. Welcome. Yes. I mean, it's <laughs> fine. It's just a number. Who cares <laughs> that it means I'm closer to 40 than 30 now? I know. I'm, like, feeling it, you know? Like, in my early... Th- I don't know if it's COVID or my age, honestly. Not that I I'm think not it's COVID, the combo. Like, yeah. Just going through this whole pandemic and, you know, having to be inside for two years and now also being in my mid-30s, I just, you know, can't, can't hang out. like you used yeah. to. <laughs> like, I think we we finished the night at, like, 11.30 for your birthday. If it was, like, five years ago, we probably would have been out till like, 2 or 3 a.m. I know. <laughs> That's okay. It was a success. It was. And it's okay that we like to go to bed earlier. Yeah. <laughs> But um, we will post pictures from our cocktails this weekend, as well as pictures that go with both of our stories this week Mm -hmm. as we travel to 
North Macedonia. North Macedonia. I know. It's an obscure one. Yep. But we're going there. We're going to take you to North Macedonia. But we're going to post those pictures on our Instagram uh, and our Twitter. We are at a tap on the wrist. And as always, feel free to email us with maybe country ideas for when we come back from our hiatus. Uh, or just to say hi at tapontheristpodcast at gmail.com. And I feel like we don't say this often, but make sure you're subscribing. Rate, review, and subscribe. Rate, review. Tell a friend or two. You know, support small podcasts. Yeah. That's all we can ask of you. <laughs> but uh, now we're going to North Macedonia. Enjoy. So when we started season five, when we were like, let's throw it out to our friends to give us country suggestions. Uh-huh. They've really, like, thrown out some bizarre countries. I know. They've, they, like, they're kind of they've impressed me because, I like, I would just, like, name a European country probably. Like, just, like, a stand, like, Italy. That would, you know? Yeah. Like, so, like, this week is a prime example of, like, a friend threw this country out, and I, this was never on my radar. I had to look up exactly where it was. Uh-huh. And then I even texted you, and I was like, just so you know, the official name of this country is, because it's kind of a new-ish country. Mm-hmm. It recently got its independence. But during um, our lifetime. Right. Yeah. And I just... I've, I've heard of it, but I've never been like, let me visit there. Anyways, so with all that being said, this week, North Macedonia. Yep. Which many people just refer to as Macedonia, but they are officially their own independent country from Greece now, uh, mm-hmm. and they go by North Macedonia, and they are just kind of northwest of like the top of Greece. Right. Not to be confused with ancient Macedonia. Correct. Yeah. Cause I, I almost tripped up there. I almost told a story from ancient <laughs> Macedonia and then I had to like, really, I was like, let me just double check this. And yeah, not the same. So yeah. It like our friends have done well. Yes. And like <laughs> definitely made us work a little bit more for some of these stories because, and some of these countries we've done don't have big drinking, like, traditions. Yeah. Don't drink a ton, which is a little bit what I found about North Macedonia. Yeah, there wasn't a lot. There's not a whole lot. So with that being said, I am going to share some of the largest beer companies in the country. But I'm going to also mention that North Macedonia is not exactly a nation of beer drinkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are much more known for their wines and their brandies, which is known as rakia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I know what you told me you were going to talk about. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if you were combining them. So I like went. No, I didn't. Okay. I, I was a little torn on doing that liquor or that spirit and obviously you guys should look it up um because it's not only a mass macedonian spirit it's, it's like the, the whole, whole region peninsula yeah. yeah right but so rakia is and i think we've mentioned it in i think probably in one of the <laughs> other stories i told this season so yeah 
Um, it's very similar. It's like a fruit fermented brandy. Mm-hmm. Anise is a very popular flavor in it, but like, so that is their I think number one alcohol. Yeah. And then they're much more known for their wines, which Vanessa is going to tell us all about. Yeah. So you just, ruined it. I'm just like, kidding. Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I am going to tell you about their beer. Um, and they do have a beer drinking population because this is a country in Europe and beer drinking is just part it's, of yeah. the historical, you know, like it's just, you can't be a country in Europe and not have a, a beer history. But when it comes to like per capita consumption, North Macedonia is among the lowest in Europe. Mm-hmm. Just keep all that in mind when I tell you about these beers. Uh, and I also, I think I'm pre-apologizing for both of us. Yes. When it comes to the pronunciation of certain words, uh, North Macedonia uses a Cyrillic alphabet. Mm-hmm. And when it's translated, it's very different looking yep. in our our alphabet. And so we are using the English translation of the alphabet translation, I think. Right. Is what I'm using. Correct. And I, even using the English translation, will still probably butcher the English translation of the words. Yes. So just... Just forgive us. Enjoy enjoy the stories. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So the first beer I'm going to tell you about is called Shopska. And I watched a couple reviews about it, so I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Okay. Um, and the production of this beer started all the way back in 1924, before North Macedonia was its own country, but it is in what is now North Macedonia. Uh, and it is the first commercial beer in the country, and today it holds 64% of the beer market in North Macedonia. So... Throughout the country, it is the best-known and best-selling beer brand. But it was actually founded by two Czech men, one an engineer named Victor Zeiss and one a banker named Karel Husnik. And at the time, in 1924, they invested three million diners, or dinars, which would equate to $49,000 today, So in 1924, it was $850,000 of their own money to start this brewery. I wish I had that much of my own money to start a brewery. (laughs) (laughs) But their investment paid off because in only one year, they nearly doubled their investment. So you may be wondering, well, what is Shopska beer if it sells so well in the country? I am wondering. Mm, It's pretty standard, actually. Okay. Um, the beer is a, like a golden yellow color. It is, you know, when you pour it, it gets the solid white, you know, foam at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a kind of bitter beer taste to it from the hops and barley and yeast. It's a very basic European ale. Okay. So it's like not a beer I would drink probably. No, no. It's got like medium carbonation, yeah, it's 4.9% APV, and I, I, I'm thinking it's like the Bud Light of North Macedonia, Yeah, right? It's a standard basic ale that you can find everywhere on every shelf in the country, um, and 
that's what they drink. But remember, beer is like the third most popular alcohol. So it really is for the people who are kind of chugging beers, Mm -hmm. right? Like the heavy beer drinkers, the one drinking beers. So because they're so basic and standard, it's kind of questionable why they've lived a legacy for a hundred years. But it's because they've been very flexible and made some unique choices during like hard economic times. Okay. And they've just kind of hung on as a brewery. Uh, When they first opened, they noticed that beer was mostly being consumed during the summer months. So from like April until September. And so the brewery then decided that during those months, leading up to those months, they would operate seven days a week producing beer. However, during winter months, when less beer is being produced, the months leading up to that... They would only operate three days a week, so saving costs on both, like, their payroll and, like, their brewery being open, and just, like, that small shift really helped them, like, stay alive in those early years. Yeah. When they were building their brand. They would just made some smart business moves. Right. And then in the 1940s, when World War II uh, hits Europe and the world, um, Many productions across the continent were halted or changed, um, and factories changed their course to manufacture war materials, but not Shopska. Instead, they increased their beer production at the time and went on the rise and produced a lot of the beer that the troops would then go on to drink in that part of mm. the continent. Smart, honestly. The war. Soldiers are going to want to drink. Right. And so they actually ended up gaining money. There were no losses for the brewery during all of World War II. They actually gained money and were on the rise. Um, and it was like, again, a genius business move on their part mm-hmm. to like not shut down or switch to making hand sanitizer, or, you know. Right. They were just like, more beer for <laughs> And so they have been in operation for over a century, and one thing that consumers still to this day really love about them are their slogans, and they're not very modest about it. Uh, so some of their slogans are, we're the best of Macedonia, our best, Shopska, everything is possible. And then their current slogan is, I want Shopska. Yep, they are not afraid to be confident. So they are the number one beer in North Macedonia. They've been around for 100 years. But I think in my beer drinking preference, and from what I read and what I watched on reviews, it's a pretty basic ale. Right. So that brings me to the second most famous beer served in Macedonia. Okay. Uh, and this beer is called Zlatan Dab. Okay. <laughs> and this one's much newer. Uh, this beer only debuted in the year 2000. But the origins of its brewery also date back into the 1920s, the same as Shopska. And back then it was called Prilep Brewery. It was founded in 1924. And at the time, it was, everything was brewed manually. And it was all small batches of beers for locals. And it was a very small setup. Mm -hmm. 
and it went that way up until World War II. And unlike Shapska, it did not survive World War II. They actually shuttered for many years. Uh, and it took until the year 1952, so like many years after the war ended, mm-hmm. to kind of reactivate the brewery and get it back up and running. And this time there's newer technology that they put into place so everything isn't done quite as manually. Things like steam boilers were added so the beer could be boiled to like the correct temperatures every time and every, you know, uh, batch was more identical. Right. And they could distill it or distribute it further. And the company continued to grow from the 1950s as technology got better, they would add to their facilities, growing their staff um, up to 40 employees, and they just continued to grow. And they had very popular beers, ones like Crowley Marco, which was like a light beer that they then put into wooden barrels to ferment before it was bottled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, in the 1980s, they're still producing beers for the Balkan region, uh, but they get a very big break at that time. So they're Prelep Brewery, but they turn into Prelepska Povarnica in the 1980s. And basically they change from just a brewery to a bottling facility. And it's in 1980 when they receive a license to be the production of Pepsi for the Balkan region. Okay. And this allows them to become one of the largest bottling plants in Eastern Europe at the time. So they are still a brewery producing beers, but they've kind of changed focus and are now focused more on bottling Pepsi products for this whole part of... Not even remotely related, but every time you just say bottling, all I think is bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Capone's brother? Go back to season two if you want to know that reference. And then, as I said, in the year 2000, they launch a new beer, Zlatan Dab. And this is an instant hit in North Macedonia. Uh, and everything I read, it is described almost identical to Shopska. Some say it tastes... Damn. A little better than Chopska, but it's again a very basic. They just like their basic ale. beers. Like it's not fancy. Yeah. Uh, but it is their second most popular beer, and it actually is distributed in certain states of the United States. You can try Slatin Dab. So that's interesting. But even though they have had success with this newer beer in the last 20 years, uh, the, the bottling company continues to grow and continues to expand um it is a privately owned bottling company and they have now some of the best technology and are this huge facility and it's considered one of the most modern breweries in the entire like balkan region so pretty cool yeah it's like i guess i'm like noticing this about other countries are, do other countries not really do craft brewing the way America does? It seems that way, right? You, yes. That oh, I'm true. sorry. <laughs> so is that part of your story? <laughs> Continue. 
I have one more beer to tell you about. Okay. Uh, so, you are correct. And if you travel to Europe, a lot of times, um, like, the beer they serve, it is a lot of just, like, basic ales. Mm-hmm. You almost, it is hard to find craft beer. They do have craft breweries, mm-hmm. but they're not nearly as popular as they are here. Interesting. Uh, but... One of the newest breweries to form in North Macedonia is called Old Town Brewery, which is ironic because it is not old. Uh, It is, and they claim this on their website, the first and oldest Macedonian craft brewery. (laughs) I really jumped the gun on that. (laughs) Uh, They consider themselves the pioneers of the new Macedonian beer era, and they are not afraid to break boundaries. Okay. To their website. Get it. So this is a new type of beer brought into this country. Uh, and Old Town Brewery opened in 2009 as a beer shop. And the owners had kind of only dreamed of one day having a craft brewery. But it took nearly six years. And in 2015, they were finally able to fulfill that dream and start to produce their own craft beer out of Old Town Brewery. And their beer is, I mean, it's still relatively new. It's only, what, seven years old? Right. Uh, But they follow some basic beer laws, uh, according to their website. They use barley hops, yeast, and water, and a lot of passion and love. Aww. Uh, They do say they're the only Macedonian beer made by world traditional beer recipes and that it contains no preservatives, artificial colors, and flavors. They are currently producing a Pilsner, an IPA, and a port a porter beer. Okay. Uh, and then they have done some seasonal like craft beers or limited beer runs. Mm-hmm. But they're still very much like a small batch local craft brewery. Um, and their slogan is, we just want to remind you, life is brutal. Aww, I love a good pun. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, I do have some sources. But like I said, beer, and I'll tell you about them in a second. Beer just is not the biggest thing in North Macedonia, mm-hmm. but Old Town Brewery really wants it to like have a resurgence. That's what they're hoping, is that their beer makes more people want to drink it. Yeah. But so my sources, um, I have an article from a blog uh, that is What You Will Miss from Macedonia, Shopska. So it was written by a woman named Zlata Golubaska who had like spent some time there and she said she was going to miss the beer the most. Interesting take. Yep. Uh, Then another blog... Uh, it was written by two men who lived in North Macedonia for 91 days and they too wrote about their beer experiences so Macedonia for 91 dayscom and then I used both the uh, Prelip Provarnica website like uh-huh. that bottling company's website or they have a, a history of their company and Old Town Brewery, their their homepage too has a history of their company. 
um, and then some Wikipedia for all of it because it was hard to piece together. And then you also, I would get to pages and they'd be in, I honestly don't even know the language. I yeah. Is it Macedonian? I don't know. I don't think it's Macedonian. I'm not sure. But the alphabet looks, it's very cool. It's like yeah. block-esque letters. Mm-hmm. And so then I would have to translate it, and then I was like, I really hope this is translating correctly. Yeah, it was definitely a hard country to research. But it definitely was, yeah. but we did it, and now we know about their beers. Okay, so while we always think of places like France, Italy, and California as winemaking poles, North Macedonia also has a really prominent winemaking industry with a very long history, and I didn't know that. Again... I, I, neither of us really knew most, most anything about North Macedonia. Um, but specifically, they have a more than 4,000-year-long history. Um, there's even Neolo- Neolithic evidence of grape remains in the area. So, like, they've been, they've been doing this. They know they've how to make... crushing grapes yeah. for a long time. They ha- know how to make some wine. So, a website that I read called decanter.com says, in the endless search for the next wine story... North Macedonia has a lot to offer. It lies at the crossroads where East meets West, and its history has been shaped by Roman, Byzantine, Slavic, and Turkish influences. So, a lot of different different cultures have influenced their winemaking industry. So, first, I want to talk a little bit about the location and the climate of North Macedonia, uh, because that affects the production of the grapes for the wine. So the country is geographically situated in the central part of the Balkan Peninsula in Southeast Europe. It's a small landlocked country. Uh, The climate of the area is generally warm and sunny with between 270 to 300 sunny days per year, which seems nice. Mm -hmm. It has influences from both a Mediterranean and a continental climate. The warmer days and cooler nights help to slow down the ripening of the grapes, leading to an ideal environment for winemaking. And vacations. And vacationing. (laughs) (laughs) So as Laura alluded to earlier, North Macedonia was a part of Yugoslavia before it gained its independence in 1991. And the area that is now North Macedonia was the main producer of Yugoslavian wine. So in the 1980s, while it was still part of Yugoslavia, it accounted for around two-thirds of all Yugoslavian wine production. And again, Yugoslavia contained like several different countries that are now their own own countries. At the time, it mainly consisted of bulk or simple mass-produced tipple. And all winemaking properties during that time were nationalized and combined into 13 large wineries. And families who were traditionally known for growing grapes had to sell all of them to these national wineries. The wine produced in what is now North Macedonia was consumed in all parts of Yugoslavia and also exported to other European countries. So after the country's independence in 1991, it took a little while for the wine industry to kind of come into its own. And the first private family-owned winery called Boven wasn't founded until 1998, so seven years later. 
uh, although the other wineries were still making wine. It's not like they stopped making wine. It's just privately owned businesses didn't open for a few years. Now, the number of privately owned wineries has increased and there are about 74 registered wineries in North Macedonia. Altogether, they produce just over 90 million liters of wine annually. And wine production has increased so much that it is actually the second largest agricultural export over the last 10 years. So along with the increase in winemaking have come many improvements in things such as cellar technology, vineyard plantings, and a sh also a sharper focus on the climate and terrier conditions um, of the wine regions. So the focus of wine has also shifted from that like bulk production that I mentioned to bottled wine. Uh, so greater, greater emphasis on quality of wine. Now this is where I'm gonna start mispronouncing things. So <laughs> there are an array of indigenous grape varieties but there is one grape in particular, uh, which is major in the Macedonian wine industry, and that is a red grape called Varnek, right? I made Laura just listen to it. I feel like that's right. We're going to say it like we own it. Uh, it kind of sounds like the new demon in Stranger Things. <laughs> Vecna? Um, so Varnek translates into Black Stallion. Uh, and decanter.com says of the grape and the wine that comes from it, quote, it is a powerful, inky, dark grape, richer in color and tannin than Cabernet Sauvignon. Varnec tends to give powerful, deep colored wines with plenty of structure and generous alcohol balanced by freshness and juicy fruit. Uh, characteristics may be notes of black or red cherry, blueberry, raspberry, and blackberry. Like, I just want to try the grape. I know, right? It's like, we only, we just really only have red or green grapes, I feel like. This, this sounds kind of cool. Yeah, like, why don't we get fancy grapes to eat? <laughs> I know. There are like 8,000 kinds of oranges in the store. Yeah. But grapes? It's like you just got your standard. Maybe cotton candy. Oh yeah, cotton candy might, might be in there. Um, maybe there are in other countries, it's just America. We don't, we don't know. So though, so this grape though is actually not native to North Macedonia. It originates from what is now Montenegro, um, but it was planted in Macedonia in the 1950s. And the grape actually shows different characteristics depending on where it's grown. Um, but the majority of Varnak is, or Varnak is grown in the Vardar River Valley which there and there they have 87% of the country's grapevines and fun fact 90% of all plantings of the Varnak grape grape like in the world uh are in North Macedonia. They they really like that grape. Okay. It makes good wine. <laughs> it makes right? good wine. Um and it represents about 38% of North Macedonia's vineyards. Because there's kind of a variety to the grape, depending on where it's planted. There are a few ways that they make wine from it. Firstly, uh, you can pick the grapes like earlier in their lifespan um, and vinify in stainless steel. This shows like it's fresher, juicier style and it's a more soft and fruit forward wine. 
You could also let the grapes age a bit, pick them later, and age them in oak for a bold and oak-aged taste. There are also the variations from super concentrated raisined grapes uh, of this variety, and I'm assuming it didn't really say, but to me that seems like it would be really sweet. That's a guess though, and it can also be used to make a rosé, rosé all day. Frosé all day. <laughs> it's very hot in my apartment right now because we can't have the AC on, so frosé would be ideal. <laughs> um, so aside from the Varnak grape, there are other varieties of wine in North Macedonia. We're, we're just going to go for this. Um, so the first one is Smedervaka. Madervica. Uh, it's a white wine with a slight acid taste. It usually is mixed with soda or carbonated water. Temjanka. Yep, I'm sure that's how you say it. <laughs> this is a delicious aromic grape variety that is used to make white wine. You mean aromatic? Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> focused on the other words that I messed up an English word. Yes. Yes, I meant aromatic. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Zelavka (laughs) Um, is an earth. Imagine I'm saying all these words completely correct somehow, but I somehow messed up an English word. (laughs) Uh, Is an earthy, full body wine with with nutty aspects. Uh, it's also described as having bright freshness and acidity, and it's ideal for general meal pairings and is often oak-aged. We've got Procupe, uh, which is a dark grape used to produce a table red wine. Welsh Riesling, which is a local variant of the Rhine. Uh, Kratz. <laughs> I swear to God, I tried to look these up before. Cratosija, Cratosija, uh, a red wine grape variety which produces a wine characterized by an intense ruby red color and an aroma of red berry fruits. I feel like all of these have been red wines. No, most of the first like three were white wines. Oh, okay. I wasn't listening that closely. <laughs> you were just listening to me butcher words. Syra, which is a local grape and a sweet wine. New wine varieties have increased even more over the last few years in North Macedonia as wineries continue to generate more interest in local wines worldwide by making their wine offerings broader than ever. So they're just like coming up with new grapes that we can't eat because they don't let us eat them. Right. America. So I mentioned the Vardar River Valley, uh, which is the main wine region in North Macedonia. But there are actually three winemaking regions that are then further divided into 16 districts. Um, and the country has about 28,000 hectares. I don't, they have a different form of measurement um, of wine plantings. And when I Googled how to translate that uh, to something I would understand, it said 69,000 acres. So hopefully that's right. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about the three um, major sections of wineries. So like I said, the Vardar River Valley or the Povardari. 
<laughs> which is another name it's known by that I definitely said wrong, uh, is the most important region, both in terms of quality and wine quantity. Uh, this region accounts for 80% of Macedonians' total wine production, and most of the wine they produce is red. It's where that continental and Mediterranean climate converge, like I mentioned earlier. So it has really hot, dry summer temperatures that get as high as 104 degrees Fahrenheit, which is what it feels like it is in my apartment right now. <laughs> um, uh, and while some of the higher areas that I'll talk about in a second rely on the limited rainfall, since these areas get super hot, they use drip irrigation in their vineyards. Uh, so like watering their grapes, basically. <laughs> you got it? I know a drip <laughs> Uh, the second region is Pelagonia Polog, uh, and it accounts for 10 to 15% of the total wine production, so a lot smaller um, than the 80% of the other region. It's located uh, on the west border with Albania, and the climate isn't suitable as suitable for wines as the Vardar River Valley. Uh, it's that area that I mentioned that's like kind of higher up. It's 600 to 700 meters above sea level and they get limited rainfall. So they're just like, they're just hoping for the best. They're like, let it rain, doing some rain dances. <laughs> uh, and lastly, there's the Chinja Ozgovo, which is located east on the border with Bulgaria. It's the smallest wine region in Macedonia and accounts for less than 5% of the total wine production. However, the area does have some of the most modern wineries in the country, so it's small but mighty. So though I had mentioned that the first family-owned winery wasn't founded until 1998, as I said, there were wineries that had been created you know, throughout Yugoslavia's uh, lifetime. So Tikves Winery was founded all the way back in 1885, it is the largest winery on the Balkan Peninsula and was one of the most important wineries of the former Yugoslavia. They produce more than 20 million liters of wine annually, uh, and the number is only increasing. Their winery was also purchased by M6 Investment Group, um, and they have been working to improve the wine industry ever since, spending nearly 40 million euros of investments to improve and develop infrastructure, as well as building sustainable single vineyards and sites. In order to help their wine industry, the country has established a Wines of Macedonia Marketing Association uh, that was created in 2010, and it's a small group of prominent North Macedonian wineries, of which Tikves is a leading member. Their website says that they're an organization that unifies the work of Macedonian wine producers committed to promoting the quality and image of Macedonia, Macedonian wine throughout the world. They further elaborate by saying, despite long winemaking tradition, moderate international recognition as a wine country is one of the crucial challenges that the Macedonian wine industry faces in its efforts for promotion on the foreign markets and improvement of its export. One of the priorities of the association wines of Macedonia is creating the image and promoting Macedonia as a country that produces high quality wine and overcome the perception of being not well-renowned or pursued as cheap wine producing country. 
So the organization, in an effort to raise awareness, even established an annual World Varnak Day, uh, which was first held in the North Macedonian capital in October of 2019. The hope was to raise awareness of Macedonian wine and showcase the grape. Attendees included international and regional wine merchants and journalists, uh, as well as the local public. Um, and in addition to wines in Macedonia, Macedonia there's also a Balkan wine network, uh, which also has the goal of uniting Balkan winemaking countries for a greater impact in promoting and selling the region's wines. So besides the festival that I just mentioned, Macedonia or North Macedonia has a couple of different festivals to promote wine because they apparently love it so much. Uh, there is a festival in the Tikvesh region that has been going on since 1964. So the festival, the festival takes place in September and features music, dancing, a carnival parade, and the choosing of a king and queen of the wine harvest. Uh, and what is on what's considered Valentine's Day for most of the world, Macedonian people celebrate St. Trifon, the patron saint of gardens and wine growers. Uh, there isn't one central festival for this day, but instead many festivities around the country where winemakers prune their wines, prune their vines, <laughs> Uh, in the presence of religious people who then bless the new generation. They then wish for a fertile year ahead and celebrate by drinking wine, of course, and singing songs. I'd much rather have that on February 14th. Right? Come on, let's have a wine celebration instead of Valentine's Day. Next February, that's what we're celebrating. Wine? Yeah. Okay. Whatever this saint is. <laughs> gardening. And winemaking. We'll prune some vines. We'll drink some wines. And sing some songs. And sing some songs. Doesn't say which song, so we'll go with whatever <laughs> we feel. <laughs> and though it's not a festival, there are a couple of interesting wedding traditions that involve wine. So firstly, after an engagement, the rings, that will be the couple's rings, are placed in a deep dish filled with red wine. The rings are then mixed by their parents, and the couple drinks three sips of wine from that dish. I mean, that's weird, but okay. <laughs> um, a few days before the wedding, the bride's parents send an older woman. <laughs> I guess it's just any old woman. It didn't specify. Uh, <laughs> not grandma. It's an old lady. Any old lady. <laughs> to the parents of the groom. And this random old lady will be carrying a bottle of wine with a handkerchief wrapped around it as a sign of invitation to the wedding. Uh, another tradition in some villages and towns, and I, I couldn't really find the reasoning behind any of these, but apparently on the wedding day, the groom will go to the house of his bride where her mother brings him a pie. Didn't say what kind. The groom will cut the pie and pour wine all over it and give a wine-soaked piece to his bride. Could not find why. <laughs> and it seems like he's ruining a perfectly good pie. <laughs> And wine. And wine. <laughs> Good wine and pie. Yeah. Not to knock traditions that people celebrate, but I I want to know what, why. Yeah, what could be And I couldn't find. That? Yeah, it's just like an ancient, like, if practice. If a man on my wedding day brought me a wine-soaked pie, 
We wouldn't be getting <laughs> You'd be like, I just want a pie with wine, not mixed together. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird yeah. custom. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, decanter.com quoted an old proverb from the region that says, if you want to get to know a nation well, sit at their table and drink their wine. So if you want to learn about North Macedonia, you should try some of their wines which you can do even if you don't live in the area or not visiting the area. Um, the country does export wine, resulting in profits um, that exceed 50 million euros per year. Uh, some of the popular countries they export to are the UK, Canada, and of course the US. So we can, we can try some. Uh, Boven and Dalvina were a couple of brands that they said uh, come to America. And... Uh, that's kind of just an overview of North Macedonian wine. That is fascinating. I can't remember, maybe we told this in last week's episode about our experience trying Georgian food. Yeah. Oh, Georgian wait. Wine. Did we talk about it? I don't know. But that's what it's reminding me of. Like, yeah. Vanessa and I and some friends went to a random restaurant. Uh huh. And it's. It was like it was called Cheese Boat, and I was like, "That's it, I'm in." Yeah. I had no idea like what it really was until we looked it up. And right, but it's like family owned. And yeah, it was like the waitress had so many great stories about her country, mm-hmm. and wanted us to try the food, and we did have dinner there. And then at the end, she brought us three different Georgian wines, wines yeah. to try. And like, you're right, we don't often think about other countries wine productions except for France and Italy and Italy yeah like those are what you go you know right but all these other Mediterranean countries have the same climate Mm -hmm. and can produce grapes that are similar or better and I don't know why the world doesn't yeah drink more of their wines right I don't know. Maybe we need to find some Macedonian wines. Yeah, maybe you'll like wine better from other areas. You just don't know it. (laughs) Tracely.com. Okay, so my sources for the story were All You Need to Know About Macedonian Wine by Daniel Kitsky uh, from (laughs) ChasingTheDonkey.com. Treasures Revealed, The Wines of North Macedonia by Daryl Joseph from... Uh, I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to spell it. It's Club O-E-N-O-L-O-G-I-Q-U-E dot com. Okay. Uh, North Macedonia, the sunny heart of the Balkans from decanter.com. And then I used the Wines of Macedonia, which was that like marketing agency, uh, their website. That's where I found those um, wedding traditions. And they did not elaborate. So if anyone knows why those wedding traditions exist... Please let us know. And that's that's all I got. Okay, and now is our time for our cocktail of the week inspired by North Macedonia. So we, or Laura touched very briefly on a popular spirit that they drink there called rakia. Uh, and I think it is typically a sipping brand. It's like a brandy and you would typically sip it. Correct. But we did find a recipe. So it is a pomegranate lemon rocky cocktail. And it just sounds super refreshing for summer. 
Um, so you're going to need some of the Rakia liqueur. So you're going to have to find most likely a liquor store because I don't think it's going to be on your bar cart. Probably not. But then the other ingredients are super simple at a grocery store. Pomegranate juice, ice, mint leaves, lemon lime soda, and a lemon slice. So, I mean, you put all that together. Mm-hmm. It sounds super, like refreshing yeah it's gonna probably have that anise undertone though because right the rakia has like that anise flavor to it right but um but it it does sound i mean pomegranate and lemon sound super refreshing for the summer and like might take away some of that bitterness Yeah, yeah if that's not your your thing so we will post a picture of this cocktail not made by us because we unfortunately do not have any rakia uh and the recipe for this cocktail in case you find some at your liquor store yes and if you make it post it tag us tell us how it is definitely and and uh and you can find that on our instagram and twitter We are at a tap on the wrist. And as always, feel free to shoot us an email, especially if you make this cocktail or any of the cocktails that we've talked about this season. Tap on the wrist podcast at gmail.com. And until next week. Cheers. Cheers.